Welcome to another Booch News podcast with Ian Griffin. So I'm on the phone today with Gord McDougall, who's based in Victoria, British Columbia in Canada. He's a investor and person with many years of experience advising small business owners. Hey, Gord, how's it going? Oh, very good, Ian. Yes, and although I have played an advisory role with companies many times over the years, my real passion is as an owner or shareholder or partner in a business. Uh-huh. And uh, I'm, ex- I'm excited to have this conversation because as I've discovered in the kombucha business over the last six or eight months, uh, there's a lot, there's a, there's a substantial number of kombucha businesses, there's a lot of them. And what I'm discovering is a lot of them struggle to get the resources they need to grow their business. They have struggles with everything from banking, getting loans, finding equity partners, getting good marketing talent, getting cost-effective marketing talent. Um, you know, they, they struggle with a lot of different things because of the, the, the size and the nature of the business. Exactly. And it's fair to say in my experience of tracking over 2,000 brands around the world and the ones I've spoken to over 100 different interviews I've done directly with owners, I would say clearly 99%, let's say, start as home brewers, which is what I am. I brew my own home, uh, kombucha at home. Many thousands of people do. And then some people get you know, a lot of kudos for their kombucha. They're looking to go into business for themselves and so it's fair to say they bootstrap or they launch on a shoestring. I mean, some of them have deep pockets, friends and relatives. But it is fair to say finding the resources to acquire the equipment and then begin marketing and maybe hire extra people. If, if somebody's listening to this who's thinking of launching a kombucha business or who's recently launched one, what are some of the sort of red flags or what are some of the top of your list of things that they need to be aware of that they have to get sorted sooner rather than later? Uh, Yeah, that's a a really good question, Ian. And one thing I found after talking to several uh, kombucha business owners, uh, they don't seem to have a financial plan or a financial model. So they haven't sat down and put pen to paper and created a spreadsheet that shows more clearly you know, what their their revenues are going to be, what their costs are, and to map it out for 12 to 18 months or even longer. So I think the starting point for for someone either that's in the business or looking to start in the business is to create a, a nice, simple spreadsheet that shows what the financial model looks like. Yeah, um, that seems to be pretty obvious. It's obviously, what from what you're saying, not everybody gets that obvious point. Um, and what, having done a financial model, I mean, I, I can imagine myself, it may be easy to be a little too optimistic and think, oh, I'm gonna sell you know, X thousand dollars worth a month so I can, I can invest this much. Is there a kind of a cadence where, how do people do a reality check to know that what their model contains is, is accurate? Yes. and and. I'm just going to go in a different direction, if you don't mind, to sort of, sort of try and capture all of this part of the conversation. And yeah, go ahead. The person, the person just starting a kombucha business, they're typically starting it in their garage or their, or their, their kitchen. 
um, that you can finance on a you know very small budget, like hundreds of thousands of dollars, maybe a few thousand dollars. And the companies where I'd really like to to be able to help them, our businesses have gotten a bit further down the road, and they've got you know they might have ten thousand dollars a month in sales and revenue, they might have twenty, they could be larger, <clears throat> and as a business transforms from that kitchen or garage into a larger business, that's where they, they really start to struggle from what I've seen, Ian, because then they do need more capital. They need a capital plan, how to get the right type of capital for the business. Sometimes it's loans. Sometimes it's equity. People invest in the business. Sometimes it's the owners and shareholders put capital in themselves. There are a number of tools available, a number of different products, financial products available, uh, and most small business entrepreneurs aren't aware of them. I mean, as part of what I do is is to invest my own capital, and I've got a number of investors who like to invest alongside me. And so I'm kind of promoting myself a bit here, Ian. But that, that's that's sometimes hard for these smaller and medium-sized kombucha um, businesses to know where to go to find those resources and to find what resources they can trust and that will treat them fairly. Got it. So, yeah, I take your point. You, you can begin a kombucha business on a shoestring, but it, if, you, if you experience growth, at some point you're saying, that, is there a kind of a tipping point where out, outside capital, if you don't have that, do you reach a ceiling where you um, – you can only grow so large, and then you'll top out, so to speak. And and where would people, where should people be thinking of getting an outside investment like yourself? Yeah, and every uh, every circumstance or every situation, Ian, is is unique. I've never seen two that are the same. But maybe I could use an example of a kombucha company that I've gotten to know quite well. They're seven or eight years old. They've been growing mostly organically. They've got a couple of small loans. They've got about $250,000 worth of equipment. Now they're at a place where they need another $250,000 of equipment or thereabouts because it looks like the, looks very clearly like the demand is there. So if they had more production capabilities, they could ramp their business up quite substantially. But because they're still in that sort of no man's land for the banks, the banks won't lend the money, um, you know, there's there's not a lot of sources of, of capital available to them. So that's where, you know, I've got, you know, all sorts of different resources for, for capital. And, and it's not just about capital. It's also the expertise about how to grow a business. Can you find, you know, the right people that have what I call been there, done that before, that, that know how to, to grow a consumer product business and how to get in, into more stores or into distribution channels how to do marketing and advertising cost-effectively. Uh, corporate governance is another big piece as the company starts to grow in. They need to be paying more attention to their corporate governance and their accounting and their bookkeeping. And start, as the company grows, it, it needs to sort of grow up at the same time as far as its systems and processes. So what are some of the characteristics of the growth that you've seen kombucha companies experience? One of the things that most businesses and, and most kombucha businesses, they don't grow in a straight line. 
they, they, they grow in what I call a, a ladder fashion. So sales go up, then they need more equipment, they need more staff, and they grow some more, then they need another ladder, another step in the way, where they need another bunch of equipment and more staff. They get more sophisticated in their marketing and sales and distribution models. They need to learn how to do that. And I think one of the biggest challenges that some of the kombucha companies have, I don't know if it's many or not, Ian, is that their product is so darn good that demand outstrips supply. And so they're constantly playing this catch-up game where they're trying to catch up with the amount of demand that's out there and to have a really solid growth plan in place really helps. That is so true. It's, uh, I, can, I can tell you I've heard more than a few say the classic thing is they have a, a routine of going to farmer's markets. Maybe over the weekend they might hit two or three on the Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And they, many, many of them say, you know, I took along every bottle I had in the, uh, that I made that week and I sold out you know, in, before noon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, it is well, it happens product. all the time. It is a product yeah. that demand can easily outstrip supply because so few people have tasted it in a neighborhood or a region or a village or town. And they, they then become uh, not addicted to it, but it, be, it, it, it gets a lot of attention. So that's really good to know that you, you, people should be aware that especially going back to that initial financial plan, Growth isn't going to be just plain linear. It's up and it's it goes up and shoots up, and and that's where you can bring in uh, outside capital or, or 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 expertise to help you grow. Absolutely, you know, and you know, on a on a as part of this conversation, we're also talking about that as industries grow, they tend to consolidate. The reason they consolidate is there's more competition. Um, it gets um, margins get squeezed, and I don't think we're there in kombucha yet. But you can see where it's, it will get there. You know, there's some awfully big companies. Uh, one in Canada is called Rise, which I'm sure you know. Mm-hmm. And Rise, Rise has grown to quite a good size. It's gotten to be quite large. And they partly did that through through an acquisition model. They acquired other kombucha companies along the way. So what I'm suggesting is a parallel path or alternative path is to see about having a bunch of these kombucha companies come together under one umbrella and take care of the uh, economies of scale that go with that and the ability to attract capital and resources at best prices, marketing services at best prices, and the best marketing uh, services at best prices, best production facilities at best prices. There's there's real strength in numbers. And over the years, uh, to you, go backwards a little bit, one of the best examples was actually in the garbage truck industry back in the 80s and 90s. There was a company called Laidlaw that bought up 60% of all the independent garbage truck operators and became a massive, massive company. And then the, the owners that sold to Laidlaw did very, very well. They got very good prices, and they got some additional stock in, in, the, in the parent company. And those businesses grew like, like crazy. Laidlaw not only grew through acquisition, because of its economy of scale, it became the most efficient uh, operator, 
It was the best at getting contracts for for garbage collection. Not a very glamorous industry, but they took a very unglamorous industry and turned it into a very, very major company. I get what you're saying. I think on the other hand, I think the counter argument can be made for this being a craft industry. And there are certainly people who don't necessarily want to go gangbusters on growing just to grow and grow. And, you know, I talked to quite a few owners who almost deliberately throttle it back and because they can support a small family in a given region. I just had a lady in Shropshire in England who, uh, you know, she's, she's working long hours, but she's happy. She could always do with a little bit more automation, maybe automated bottle filling or whatever. Uh, But um, the consolidation route is probably inevitable as it is in, I'm thinking of, I don't know the history fully, but I remember that apparently at one point there was like in England, 20 automobile companies. And then of course it got consolidated down to Ford and whatever, uh, and in this country, US too. Um, I think kombucha at the larger end those companies either, what they have an exit strategy, they're either purchased by one of the big breweries or soda companies or, but there's many, many people around the country who, and I think they could still benefit by talking to you. And it sounds like consolidation is just one uh, arrow in your quiver, so to speak. And you can also help them anticipate bottlenecks and growth where maybe smaller amounts of outside capital could help. Absolutely. Yeah, as we were talking about earlier, Ian, it, it definitely is not one size fits all. There's, there's right. many, many different ways to help a business to grow. Absolutely. Right. And that's a good example then. If a company's seven, eight years old, they've got a 250K equipment, but they need to more or less double the capacity, double that amount of capital available. You said they should be looking for expertise they can trust, and presumably, if the banks won't lend the money, go to some for, source like you or others who can provide the money. What are what are some of the if somebody's out there thinking along these lines? Are there red flags about the, the kind of lending terms or the kind of lenders they shouldn't they should be wary of? I mean, I'm thinking, uh, of, you know, people go on credit cards and suddenly you're paying 20% interest. Presumably that's not as good as the source of many others. That, is, that, is, that is very much a red flag. And there's, there's two parts to this, this, and I really appreciate you taking the time for us to have this conversation. And there's really two areas that, that, that I'm starting to focus on, uh, in fact, very much focusing on. One are kombucha companies, like it's it's a really good industry. It makes a good product. It's a healthy product. It tastes good. Um, you know, it's minimum government regulation around it, which actually makes it easier. But there there are two specific areas that I'm interested in, and I think where I can really help. One is for companies that want to keep going and grow their businesses and need the resources to do that. I'm happy to talk to to, to people that own businesses like that. And there's also a lot of businesses out there that are struggling and the owners now would like to sell the business and, and exit it and move on to the next thing in their life. And I'm very interested in acquiring businesses uh, all over North America, in fact, even Europe. 
So I think there's an opportunity to acquire a significant number of kombucha businesses and get the economies of scale at having you know, five or six or 10 or 20 kombucha businesses under one umbrella because that makes attracting the necessary resources um, you know, much easier in many respects. Okay. Well, it sounds like you're, you're making your, yourself available. How will people uh, get in touch with you who might be listening to the podcast but not necessarily logged on to Booch News where I can put your contact information in the, in the write-up? If, if because some people just listen to this on, on the podcast avenues. Uh, what, where, do, where do people contact you, email? Is there a contact information you can share right now? Yeah, I, I'll give them. I've got two different email addresses. I'll, I'll give you one, Ian, that I think is super simple. It's coachgord at me.com. So coach, just like a softball coach, mm-hmm. my first name, Gord. So coachgord at maryedward.com, me.com. Okay. That's good. Yeah, we'll just leave it. I mean, that's straightforward. Uh, nobody can go wrong on that. And so what you're saying is both the, both cases, you're willing to have conversations with in not just Canada, where you're based, but North America, even Europe, um, companies who either want to keep going and are looking for to kick off a conversation about capital investment or companies that are looking for whatever reason uh, for somebody else to come in and take them over to buy and to get the best terms that they can if they're ready to sell. Yeah, and and the, the third aspect would be I'm also open to the possibility of um, buying into kombucha companies as a partner. Maybe the people that own the business would be open to the idea of having a, a partner, an, a, a, an operating partner, an active partner, yeah, that can bring capital and the other resources to keep growing the business. So I'm open to all three. Well, this sounds great. And um, you've definitely, I think, um, come along at a time when there are, it is a new industry, but those companies that, and there's a number of them now that have been around for more than a couple of years, sometimes five, sometimes seven or eight, are probably reaching that inflection point. Um, so thanks so much for talking with us today. Oh, I've really enjoyed it, Ian, and I love what you do. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm so blown away by the fact you do this on a, as a volunteer. You do it because you have a passion for kombucha and a passion for people in, in businesses. I, I really take my hat off to you. Thank you. That's good to know. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to Booch News. For more about kombucha, please visit boochnews.com.